the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black in Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in, we'll chat, and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Good morning. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and much, much more. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. A couple things uh, I like to do is go through your email. So joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. Chad, i got a couple of emails for you. All right, let's do it. What do you think about just investing in the total stock market? Annual return is 12% average over the last 20 years. I think that, uh, well, you and I talk about this all the time. I mean, one of the great things that you can do if you're first starting out as an investor and you want to go open up your Roth IRA, you're young, you're you're not going to panic out when you have stock market corrections, total stock market indexes, but you're only getting U.S. if you do that, and that's an issue in my opinion. So I would try to go um, maybe 70% total stock market U.S., 15% emerging markets, 15% in international developed if you're going to start accumulating. And the greatest way to do this in the past to be able to do a monthly dollar cost average, all that means is a monthly contribution. Sometimes you're buying high, sometimes you're buying low, right? That's what dollar cost averaging means. Mm-hmm. Is uh, You used to be have to go to no-load fund companies like Vanguard to do that. Now, if you want to have everything in one place, you can open up a Roth IRA if you're eligible or a regular taxable account at TD Ameritrade, Schwab, whatever it may be, and you can buy... Uh, ETFs, exchange-traded funds. Right. And if you look on their no-transaction-fee ETF lists, which they all have now, there's about 100 or more, you can find total stock market index options in the U.S. and international. So what I tend to tell people is for your first, you know, up to hundred dollars to $200,000 is, yeah, go ahead and accumulate index funds. Now, once you become more wealthy, you you need you need some... Wealth management means, you know, you're also worried about the downside. And uh, so more active management in the areas of small cap, emerging markets, international, I think is important. But when you're younger, timing the market doesn't matter. Apps that time the market, uh, it's software that time the market, people that look at charts and think they can time the market. Yeah, they sound cool on radio, but it's accumulation that's key. It's not timing the market. I agree. You mentioned that the total stock market, you said it's uh, too U.S. centric and that you need the emerging markets and other. Mm-hmm. Um, but doesn't the total stock market have things like Nike in it that are national, international? Yeah, and that's that, that's an interesting thing. You know, I recently went to a, a uh, kind of, not a, a, I want to say 
Yeah, the conference, that's the word I'm looking for on international investing. Easy for you to say. Yeah, and, and so what, as we evolve in international investing, which international investing has always been important, in fact, um, you know, you go through cycles when the U.S. outperforms, but rarely is the U.S. the best market. Rarely. Even when the market is really good in the U.S., rarely is, the best place, is it the best place to be. Um, but isn't that because we're more efficient as a market? Well, we're more mature. So in emerging markets, that means you're emerging. So you could have five or six really bad stories and, you know, four or five really, really good stories. So it's much more volatile, and you have currency issues to deal with as well. But as the world is becoming kind of more tied to one overall GDP in the world, yeah, you have the S P 500, over half the revenues come from overseas. So international investing will become more of a where is the revenue coming from play, uh, especially with with the U.S., all these U.S. companies doing this tax inversion. Like you look at Medtronic, they're buying Covidian so that they could, you know, be incorporated in Ireland um, to get rid of the U.S. tax system. So it's still a matter of, okay, now that company is going to be considered an international company? I don't think so. It's really a U.S.-based company. So where are the revenues coming from? You don't have to get too concerned with that when you're younger. Stock market will treat you well over 10, 15 years, very well. So Ron's question wasn't bad. No. Uh, he just needed a little bit more flavor or a little more diversification. Yep. And that's something that you also, you talked just a second ago about accumulation, but you also talk on a regular basis about um, equity diversification, asset allocation. What do those mean real briefly to you? Well, equity diversification is, is sectors. So you don't want to end up with a whole bunch of stocks if you're doing individual stocks or ETFs that are all basically in the same realm of the economy, whether it's technology, uh, transportation, oil and gas, whatever. You want a little bit of everything because just when you think an area is out of favor, that's when it tends to do really well. Um, sector allocation, sectors tend to do be the best place to be two or three years in a row, and then they're one of the worst places to be. Sectors rotate in terms right. of what's in favor and what's out of favor. Same with asset classes. You have large cap, small cap, mid cap, international. And on the international side, you have developed emerging markets and now frontier markets, very different areas. So. Frontier markets. Like um, the Wild West. Yeah, I mean, you can get places like Africa. Okay. Uh, well, Qatar, which is spelled, looks like Quatar when you spell it, right? Um, uh, some, some of the places in the Middle East were just graduated up out of the frontier markets into emerging markets. So it's, it's different ways to just slice the pie. And you like pie, right? I do like pie. That's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Speaking about my love of pie, any good investments in pie? <sighs> no, but yeah. What I keep seeing is, you know, as I walk through an airport or go into a restaurant or look at a bunch of kids hanging out together, is what is the investment for either people's necks are going to be extremely screwed up from looking at their phones all the time. Okay. Their eyes are going to be destroyed. There's not going to be any, you know, everybody's going to be nearsighted. They're not going to be able to see 10 feet past them. So is that, you know, LASIK is more for, it's not for nearsightedness. Like it's not really a LASIK investment. What's the investment here? Chiropractics? Chains of chiropractors for your neck, massage therapists, something to fix your eyes so you can see past 10 feet, thumb, thumb, giant thumb disease from texting. Giant thumb disease. It's going to happen. going to happen. We might even end up just with thumbs. <laughs> We're not going to have anything but thumbs. You thought this texting. <laughs> it's an issue. I've seen kids be in the same room not talking and texting each other. Wow. Yeah, that happens in the teenage world all the time. It's just, oh. 
A little frustrating. It is a little frustrating. That's how I know I'm old. Yeah, it's, there's not a lot of reality in conversations anymore. So, yeah, you know, people are having a tougher time relating because it's all, you know, quick. I was on a date many years ago, and the girl said, I'm so, you're the first guy I've been out with that doesn't look at his phone all the time. I was like, that was weirdly refreshing to hear. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've been saying recently, and I guess I've been saying it for about a year, I would like to get to the world where I don't need a smartphone anymore. I definitely am not never buying cutting edge again. There, um, people are having, there's been studies about uh, memory loss of what you're actually doing in the world because people are so, that that people are losing the memory of what they're actually doing because they're they're trying to post so much on social media. That's funny. And so you look at what you do on social media, which is always fake, right? Yeah, you go to Hawaii. Oh, let's all pay, pause. We're all smiling. And this is an impromptu picture. BS. You just took 10 versions of your own selfie. And so they forget what they actually did while they're on that trip because they look at the photo, which really didn't happen. Have you seen a selfie stick yet? A selfie stick? Yeah. It's not a, so it's basically a stick that you can attach your camera to. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it gives you a much further outlook. Right. Mm-hmm. It's pretty lame. <laughs> so Where I think it's cool is for sports, snowboarding, wake surfing, wakeboarding, things like that, when, when you need that, that view. Yeah. Like Sage Kochenberg, the um, U.S. Olympian, he does some pretty cool stuff. With his with his selfie stick, oh. his GoPro. Can we not talk selfies again for the next hour? Wait, let me take a selfie. CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, more. Joining me now, CFB Chad Burton. Mr. Burton, got a couple emails to get through. Let's do it. This is a big one, so let's see if we can't make this. Got a book? Well, this is. It's kind of long, and it's got some fancy words in it. Isn't it, and it comes from us, to us from Eddie, isn't it true that RMD is calculated based on the value of your portfolio at the end of December of the year before you turn 70 and a half, regardless whether you have been withdrawing funds for years? RMD is required minimum distribution? Yeah, required minimum towards, distribution. Tied towards your retirement accounts. Okay. Yep. Yeah, so the way it works is once you turn 70 and a half, April 1st of the year following 70 and a half. It's, it's, you know, every time I say these things, it's like, who made up the rule of 70 and a half? Why not just 71? Why do you have to calculate where your 70 and a half birthday is and then figure out, oh, by April 1st of the following year, but if you, do, if you wait till the following year, you have to take two that year, 
I, and I think I can tell you why. It's because when you turn 70 and a half, you're forced to pull money out of your IRAs at 401ks. It's okay. a certain formula that you use to do that. And let's say that amounts $15,000. Okay. If you forget to do it, it's a 50% penalty on that amount. So $7,500 penalty, plus you still have to pull the money out and pay the taxes on top of that. Sure. Um, you know, as if figuring out what Medicare supplement plan and prescription drug plan you want when you retire is, is it hard enough? Then you got to deal with taxes. On, Are those hard? Oh, it's a full-time job. I tell you what, to, to go in and figure out once you turn 65 and pick the right supplement plan. You know, a lot of people that are on Kaiser just stay on Kaiser. I, I tend to uh, find that older people tend to be fairly happy with Kaiser. Okay. Um, I think younger people in terms of sports medicine and stuff like that, you know, fixing the knees and doing all that. I'm not too big of a fan of it, but I'd probably go Kaiser when I'm older. Why not? It's just everything's kind of in one place, and a lot of clients that I've had have been happy with it. Um, and my own mom, same thing. Okay. So she's happy with it. Anyways, getting back to the 70-and-a-half issue, um, yeah, what happens is each year you have to look at the 1231 value of all of your IRAs, 401Ks, 403Bs, and every all of it. Now, if everything's in IRAs, it's easy because you could add up everything, figure out what the formula is. It's like 20, it's 127.6 of the account or something like that in the first year. Um, and then you can say, okay, I've got all of my IRAs. There's three or four different IRAs. Figure out what the number is, and you can take a withdrawal out of one IRA. Maybe your lowest performing IRA, maybe the best performing IRA that you're peeling off the top. Taking some of that growth, spending the money. Um, if you have 401Ks and 403Bs, you've got to take one out of every single one of them. And so people make that mistake a lot, thinking that, oh, I've got a 401K and IRA, I'll just take the RMD, the required minimum distribution out of my IRA. Nope. That's why it doesn't really make any sense to keep money in a 401K after you retire. Roll it over, consolidate it, so you don't make those mistakes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, what, what we talk about all, all the time is fighting the IRA tax drop. So when you retire, let's say it's 62. Retired 62, 65. Well, one of the first places I like to look is the IRA. If I can take money out of the IRA... And a married couple filing jointly can have about 80 grand of income plus their itemized deductions and still be at a 15% federal bracket. So I looked at the IRA first to make sure I'm maxing out that 15% bracket. And if you need the money, take the money out and spend it. If you don't need the money, take the money and convert it to a Roth so that you're whittling down your IRA, which means you're moving money from a taxable account, paying taxes on it now, moving it into an account that grows tax-free for the rest of your life and your kids' lives, and uh, and then that way, when you turn 70 and a half, you're not forced to take out so much taxable income. You're reducing the required minimum distributions because you're taking the money out earlier. And it levels out your taxes throughout your retirement rather than than having very little taxes until you're 70 and then super high taxes. Anything else that we need to know about RMDs? Um, is there a calculator online? Does your Yeah, IRS.gov, publication 590. It has the, the tables there. Okay. And um, then there's, you know, all sorts of issues. So if people you have an account with like a Fidelity or Vanguard, mm-hmm. will they step up and help you come up with a number or no, 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 that's advice. Yeah, yeah typically, yeah, typically they're not going to, what they do is they send you the letter to remind you okay. that you're supposed to do it. But Fidelity doesn't know that you have an IRA at Vanguard and an IRA at T. Rowe Price or something like that. So they don't, they won't, they'll give you all the disclaimers in the world before they'll give you tax advice. So. CFP Chad Burton. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Anything else that we need to hit on this topic? 
Um, you know, I think especially people that are wealthy, deal with people that are wealthy all the time, and, and uh, so what do I do with my IRA? Well, you first say, okay, do you have a charitable intent? If you do satisfy that charitable intent, like you want to leave 100000 to your church, you want to leave 500000 to your favorite charity, well, before you put that in your living trust and have assets from your trust, because IRAs don't typically flow through your trust unless there's a specific reason like protecting the kids' special needs interests, something like that. So what you do is carve out what you want to give to charity in a separate IRA and leave that IRA money to charity because the charity doesn't pay taxes. It's a qualified charity. It doesn't pay taxes. So if you're trying to leave money to charity, the best money to carve out to do that is retirement accounts. The best money to leave your heirs is either a Roth IRA, because they can roll it into an inherited IRA, Roth IRA and defer the taxes over their lifetime, or not, not pay taxes over their lifetime, tax-free growth forever, um, or stock or real estate that gets a step-up in basis at death. So um, think about that. Also, there is a bill that was recently passed the House. We're waiting for it to pass the Senate to extend charitable rollovers that require minimum distributions. So for the last three years, we've been able to, if you're over 70 and a half and you're required to take your required minimum distribution out of your IRA, you can take it from your IRA directly. You've got to use special forms directly to a qualified charity, and it won't count towards your taxable income. Because usually in the past to do that, it would there's all sorts of complicated deduction rules. And um, so that's passed the House to make it permanent. We're waiting for that to pass the Senate. So I'm hoping for good news on that one because I've got a lot of wealthy clients that have that give a lot of money to charity, and that's their favorite thing to give is those required minimum distributions. Really? Yeah. Because <clears throat> it's it you know they don't they don't need it. They want to give money to charity anyways. Oh. So rather than having to affect their taxable income, they just send it from the IRA account directly to the qualified charity. God, there's things that I just don't – I'm just not there in financial planning. Yeah. I'm more on the ground on the you – know, What's the company journal. do? What's their yeah. new product? Yeah, what are the revenues doing? Yep. Anyway. Um, why we work well together. People can drop us an email. Uh, you can get Chad. It's quote Chad at newfocusfinancial.com. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. You can find me at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. We'll take a break here. We'll be back. If you want to drop an email, do it now. Rob at robblack.com. We're answering emails, questions, and much, much more. I'm Rob Black, host of Rob Black and Your Money. I do a show on this station about wealth and getting to retirement. I recognize the importance of real estate and getting the right loan for that real estate. But the key is you need to get the right loan that fits your needs. Tony Mendez is my mortgage lender. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. I've done numerous personal loans with him and have referred Tony Mendez to many of my friends and business partners. He gets to know your needs. He finds the right loan to fit your unique situation. Real estate market changes.
changes constantly. So you want someone with a proven track record of success. I've never heard any negative feedback on him, and thus I trust him to get the right mortgage for you. If you're thinking of buying a new home or refinancing your current mortgage, contact Tony Mendez at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. From pre-approval to good credit to bad credit to last-second scenarios, Tony Mendez will find the solution for you. Find Tony at BayAreaLoanSource.com. Calvary zero one zero one three nine four seven Partners Mortgage and Equal Housing Lender. Not a guarantee of specific loan terms nor a guarantee to lend. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. You can contact the show by email rob at robblack.com. You can call the show 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. I'm going to do a question and answer session today. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton, newfocusfinancial.com. Mr. Burton, here comes another email question for you. If I'm in my income from Sarah, if I'm in my late 20s, I almost have a full year of expenses and savings and my savings checking retirement is almost at 100000 what should I be focusing on next? So Sarah has 100000 in her savings, plus she's got a year saved up? It sounds like she's got a 401k with 100000 Ah, okay. All right. And she's got a year of expenses. You got an age on this girl, phone number? Pushing 30. She's in her <laughs> late 20s. She currently contributes, job. contributes 15% of her salary to her 401k. With Sarah's been listening. With an 8% match, she saves $700 a month into savings. What's her next oh, her next financial goal? She says, I want to buy a house. But I guess she's asking, the, what else should she be thinking about? Well, so, Sarah, if you're a high-income earner and you can't do a Roth, we'll talk about that for a minute. Let's say if you're eligible for a Roth. Okay. That's, 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 actually, that's, I, I know her. I met her at the seminar the other day. Okay. So, Is she eligible for a Roth, Rob? Yeah, she makes about 60. Her boyfriend makes about 80. Okay, so, so yeah, they're they're under the well, if they're not married, it's just based on her income, so she's fine. So I'd still continue to fund a Roth IRA because if her goal is to save for the first house, I mean, you know, you five percent down in the Bay Area, get a five percent down loan. Good luck with that. Still, even a five percent on a Bay Area home, she's got a wow. Most houses are uh, going up for cash. Yeah. So if you're coming in with five percent, you're not going to be considered. You know, at that age, you don't have to own the house that you live in. You could go buy a rental property somewhere else um, where somebody you know lives, some real estate agent in a great upcoming area somewhere in the northwest. Or I don't know, you still like Carolina, North Carolina? for I like college towns. So college like towns? Raleigh's fine. Yeah. Think about college towns. Do you ever get uh, bad renters or party animals in your in your homes? Um, no, but... I can see how it can happen. Yes, yeah, so you just got to be careful. I use a management Good company. property manager, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's one thing. Is I don't see how you would afford to buy a Bay Area home in a nice area with $60,000 of income. It's not going to happen. Right. So be a renter. Don't be ashamed of it, As long as, long especially as long as you're saving 15 to 20% of your pay like Sarah's doing. Yeah. 
I think that a Roth IRA growing tax-free in the stock market over 20 years will probably beat that real estate. And, you know, people say, well, my Bay Area home has doubled over the last 10 years, 15 years. So is the stock market over the last five or six from the bottom. And over the last 100 years, it's averaged 11% without property taxes, without maintenance, without remodeling. You know, eh, you know, remodeling a portfolio is a quarterly rebalance, right? Right. It's not tearing out all your kitchen appliances every 10 years. So, um, Which I seem to be doing every, like, three. <laughs> so I don't know what's wrong with my kitchen appliances. You're a crazy cooker. I don't know. You need to go bam all the time and just throwing stuff in the pan. <laughs> I did do a little bit of that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, do the Roth IRA because in a Roth IRA, if you're funding the Roth IRA, it's going to grow tax-free for your retirement. Right. But if you ever decide to buy a house, you can always take your contributions out without paying taxes on those contributions. Okay. If you're under 59 and a half, you're going to pay taxes plus a penalty on the gains. Right. Um, so you can always get the contributions back out. So definitely continue to max out that Roth IRA. Okay. Um, and then continue to save in very tax-efficient mutual funds. So that would mean that your taxable account, after you've maxed your Roth IRA, you'd be wanting to do invest in large-cap and mid-cap index ETFs or mutual funds, no-load mutual funds, which means that in your 401K at work, that's where you'd have all the other assets, your small cap, your emerging market. So you've got to start balancing your asset location. So you look at your overall asset allocation and say, okay, I want my taxable accounts to be my large cap, mid cap, longer term hold, tax managed uh, ETFs or no load mutual funds. And then, like I said, everything else in your retirement accounts, your REITs, your small cap, your emerging markets, all that kind of stuff there. So uh, she just has to be careful where she's accumulating different types of assets to keep her taxes low. And just continuing to save. And who knows, maybe in five, ten years she'll have enough money to buy that Bay Area home. Okay. Um, thanks very much for that. That's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. So what was also interesting about her, because I told you I, I chatted with her before she gave me the question card, um, boyfriend, she's got some upside in her career. He's probably at the top of his. But she's into the prenup. Um, she's already had the conversation with him, and I, I, I like it. it. It's why is prenup such a bad word, or why is it such have a negative connotation? Is it is it the media that's thrown it for us? Soap operas, probably. Okay. Yeah, media. And it's always you hear about somebody getting getting you know screwed or whatever you want to say by the prenup later on in life. Right. Okay, maybe that. But they sign that going in. So you know, a lot of times wealthy families, it's like, hey, son, if you want to get married and you want any of your inheritance, you need to get her to sign the prenup. Otherwise, you're not getting it. Right. <laughs> so, and a friend of mine went through that exact scenario. Yeah. So if you have then had a baby with a guy and then found out that she wasn't getting very much and that they control it. Yeah. So she got like three, she got like a 3% of something very small. Yep. That doesn't cover baby expenses. Mm-hmm. And you don't have if, – if you're worried about leaving money to your kids in that scenario happening where your kid gets divorced and you know, they lose half the family money, um, you don't – just don't give it to them outright. You, we leave money for kids in what you call dynasty trusts where it could be a fully discretionary trust. In other words, they can go to the trustee and get money when they need to, but it's in a separate account. It is you – know, there's a trustee involved, so if they're – sued or they're in a divorce situation, they can't touch it. Okay. Now, California family law has been saying, okay, well, 
you've been taking money out of these trusts, so you're going to have to pay some maintenance on it. So there needs to be special language to deal with that as well. But yeah, it was just it's funny you said that because I had an article pulled up about having the conversation. I mean, it's the season where people are getting married, right? I guess so. I was never, no I was never, I was never conventional like that. I've been to three weddings already in the last two months. Really? It's like it's that time of year, I guess. And um, you know, people don't have that conversation. A uh, close friend of mine that was married um, found out about seven months into it that there was a spread, spending problem. There was $60,000 in credit card debt. And uh, once they came up with a budget plan to try to fix the problem, the, this guy would come home with new shoes. and you know, It wasn't going to be solved. She finally had to get a divorce because it's just financial ruin. Yeah. They had to short sell a house as a result of it. Um, she had ended up with a higher income, so she actually had to pay maintenance for a year. And her credit was ruined. I mean, you can't go into these things without saying, okay, how are we going to deal with our bank accounts? Are we going to do joint bank accounts or are we going to keep them separate? Yeah. Who's going to run the budget? Um, when are we going to talk about this? Do you have assets that you're coming into the marriage with? Is it separate property? If it's separate property, then you do a living trust and you clearly state what's separate property and you never commingle community property. In other words, if you have a, a brokerage account, you want to keep separate property, once you get married, don't ever fund that again with your paycheck. Okay. Open up a separate account. That keeps it totally separate. Um, and you don't commingle assets. And a lot of times when people are having trouble in their marriage, let's say you go through a separation phase. Sure. So, yeah, we'll get back together, but here's our post-nup agreement. Um, I'll get back together with you, but it may not or likely won't work out, so here's the post-nup situation. And, you know, if you don't have anything, you're going into marriage <laughs> – there's not a lot of reason for a prenup because you don't have any assets. Okay. And you're um, going to commingle everything regardless. Right. Yeah. Anything that you fund or create with community property is, is typically commingled and it's going to get cut in half regardless of whose fault it is. It doesn't matter or it doesn't care anymore. Talked with a couple last night that uh, she's looking out for her dad. It was, this, it was that girl again, Sarah, the mm-hmm. young woman. Her dad went through a divorce that it was about – $100,000 in expenses on both sides. No, about $500,000 in expenses on both sides. So almost a million dollars to get a divorce. Oh, man. Does that make any sense to you? It does. I mean, I've seen it. And you get to the point where this goes back and forth and the attorneys almost feed it. Yeah. You know, they're, they're getting paid. What do they care? So, I mean, do anything you can to try to mediate this, especially for the kids. And, you know, if you're a person that's going through a divorce – and you're talking to your kids negatively about your ex and trying to bring them into it like they're their best friend, take a sharp right into the media and crash yourself because you're the worst person on the planet. I mean, even if you hate your spouse. Say that. Let's not say that. Oh, I would. I can't stand those type of people. It puts so much stress on the kids. Yeah. I mean, absolute. it will ruin them. And not only will it ruin them right now, but it will ruin their relationships in the future. Because if you're a married couple and it didn't work out for you, you still have to talk positively about that other parent and swallow your pride and do it for your kids. Don't be a selfish piece of garbage and talk negatively about people's kids, you know. Ugh. I, uh, there should be really criminal laws against it. I, I truly believe that. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Everyone knows that I had a very short-lived marriage and uh, it was under a year. And when it came time to say, like, this is over, uh, I basically said to her, like, Let's not do this expensive because this means there'll be less for you. Um, yeah. And if you want to ratchet up costs, I'll ratchet up costs. Mm-hmm. I've got the, the background to do it. 
Yeah, there's professional mediators, which people should try before they go through that. And we did. Yeah. So $3,000 for a mediator. Wasn't bad. That's cheap, buddy. I know, I know. <laughs> Good job. I know, right? That's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. A financial interest in the sick. You're listening to Rob Black and your money on AM twelve twenty KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. Got another email that I think is worth bringing up. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. Mr. Burton, email came in that says something along the lines, is there a website to rank stocks by dividend yield and history of dividend yield? I find this wildly interesting because mm-hmm. I, I think it's probably asking the wrong question. Well, yeah, because to pick stocks just simply by their dividend yield can get you into a lot of trouble. Um, I mean, for example, you could find an MLP, Master Limited Partnership, publicly traded stock, like Magellan Midstream, which is a stock that I used to own. And uh, you could say, oh, gosh, it's got a great yield. But people don't realize that some of that yield is a return of capital. And so as you receive that income in a taxable account, your cost basis actually drops, and you don't even really notice it until you go to sell it, and then you're paying taxes on more than you thought. Um, also, you get a K-1 that could force you to do a, uh extension, because K-1s don't tend to come until after April. Um, and that's actually a pretty good area to invest. It's been a very successful area to invest is, is national limited partnerships. There's different ways to do it. Problem is, is if you're buying stocks, you don't know, and all you're doing is the dividend yield, two things happen. Number one, if you get into a credit crisis situation or a rising rate environment, those stocks can get hammered. They can get hammered. You might end up being in a, in a preferred share. Now, you don't know the company very well, and interest rates rise, and you can lose 20%. So there's some good high-yielding stocks out there, but to just invest in stocks for the yield, and you don't know what the dividend coverage is how they're paying for that dividend. Are they borrowing money, continue to pay for that dividend? It's a horrible way to do it. Like one stock I own, AT&T. It's got a great dividend yield. But there's another stock that has a similar dividend yield, that, like Annalee Mortgage, that mm-hmm. I'm not going to touch. Um, one's dealing with mortgages. One's dealing with you know business phones and data plans. And I, I trust the cash flow of one more so that I trust the cash flow of another. Mm-hmm. Um so hunting for yield is the wrong way of going about it. Right. It's something you've talked about recently is when you put together a portfolio of income uh, or a portfolio designed to create and generate income is you kind of have to do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this, and mm-hmm. a little bit of that. It's not as easy as one size fits all. No, I just I like I like dividend achievers. So that idea that you've talked about, mergers, dividend achievers, which NASDAQ bought the rights to that indexing approach. Um, companies that have a history of raising their dividend on average by about 10% a year, but you look at 
free cash flow and, and how they're paying for their dividend. And you, you look at 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 and T; they've got a great you know history of raising their dividend by something like five and a half percent or to ten percent a year on average. But you look down the road, and if they don't start increasing revenues, there's going to be an issue, which is one of the reasons why they're doing the deal that they're doing right now. Let's try to increase that revenue in the long run so they can continue their, their payout ratio. And then there's companies like Apple who borrow money to you know, help fund their dividend. Yeah, they, they've got plenty of cash to fund their dividend. The issue is that a lot of that cash is overseas. So yeah. tax reasons, which is what a lot of companies are doing, they say, you know what, we can actually issue debt to do some of these buybacks and some of these dividend increases and create even more value for shareholders because of our ridiculous tax code here in the U.S. It is pretty ridiculous. It's horrible. I mean, it's they, they say here's 35% corporate tax, but yet here's all these loopholes. And so in just instead of making it simple and say, okay, just pay a 15% flat tax, which the government would probably make more money, take away all the loopholes, cut the taxes in half, and the government would probably have more revenue. It's just, instead, it creates jobs for CPAs and attorneys and to try all these fancy ways to avoid the system. What are some stock screens you would put in if you're trying to identify a good dividend paying stock? Um, well, again, free cash flow, looking at where the money is coming from and how they can cover it. And I think those are the biggest issues without getting too boring for morning radio. We'll come with you. To get your calls on the air, you can always call 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. You can find CFP Chad Burton online at chadburton.com or newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. And again, I'm Rob Black. I'm Rob Black. Um, anything that we need to be aware of? Anything you're working on, Chad? I know we're going to talk next hour a couple topics here and there. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about, um, I think retirees in the next five or so years, and we heard Janet Yellen speak, we're, we're not going to see interest rates jump anytime soon. In fact, we've seen rates for 2014 for the first quarter essentially fall. We saw rates fall, which is what almost nobody was calling for at the end of 2013, right? It's interesting that just when you're like, ah, they've, they've, they've finally put in their bottom. Mm-hmm. And then what happens? Well, you get current account deficit issues in some of countries overseas, so a lot of money flowing back into the U.S. to hide from those problems. And where, does it, where does it hide? Well, it, it went into longer-term treasuries. So longer-term bond funds actually did better than the shorter-duration bond funds, which is everybody was calling for. It's interesting because I think if we were to write down our predictions on a three-month basis, we're off like a lot of times. And you and I do this for a living. Um, but at the same time, you and I could put together a radio show that says that we could sound smart. We could look at the chart and the, t- the 50-day and 200-day moving average and tell you when a stock's going to break out or when it's going to bottom out. Or and if it like doesn't, it's and if it doesn't the bottom. we just never talk about it again. Right. That's the oldest trick in the book. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. It really is stupid. Yeah, there's um, some people have like um, a report card kept on them. Like people, uh, Jim Cramer's out there enough mm-hmm. that people can track them. But local radio, um, there's not a lot of report cards. Right. Nor is it really a service for listeners to tell you what I bought that's done really well already. Past performance. I mean, why would I tell you about a stock that we were up 100% in the last two years? Because you're bragging, you're trying to get them to become a client. Yeah, but at the same time, at the same time, I don't think that's going to serve them well. Because if they go out and buy it, and then I'm trimming my position next week, it's kind of false advertising, right? It's actually kind of illegal. <laughs> so, yeah, like I said, I don't think they're really trying to do it to, to be helpful. Yeah. 
Um, you can find CFP Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Rob Black has a financial interest in the success of New Focus Financial. Savvy investors know where to find the best possible investment advice. And according to the financial experts at U.S. News and World Report, one of the best podcasts is locally grown. AM 1220 KDOW is home for Rob Black and your money. Weekday mornings at 7. Now you can take Rob Black with you in your car, on your computer, or on your smartphone with the Rob Black Daily Podcast. Ranked one of the top 10 financial podcasts by U.S. News and World Report. Find it on iTunes or at robblack.com. Hi, this is Rob Black from Rob Black and Your Money. Over the years on my radio show, I've heard from people like you who've been burned by buying expensive and wrong financial products from people that don't have your best interest in mind. Naturally, I've developed relationships with people in the financial industry you can trust. So if you need a new home or refi mortgage or reverse mortgage, if you need insurance like home, automobile, life, or commercial, or maybe you need a financial planner, get in touch with me, and I'll give you a trusted financial referral. Email me, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. Palo Alto, the Bay Area's business leader. A division of Salem Communications on the NASDAQ at SALM. Good morning. I'm Chuck Kamlick, CNBC Radio. More new records on Wall Street. The S&P 500 up three points, 1962 and a half. That is its third record day in a row. The Dow is 38 points higher. The NASDAQ up about a point. CarMax, the big winner, a 14% gain there. CarMax profits soared last quarter because of demand for used cars. It's used cars. CarMax makes a fortune on each car that it sells. Family Dollar Store up close to 2%. Investor Carl Icahn wants Family Dollar to sell itself. Now says it's poorly run. Family Dollar says it's doing what it can to improve business. A number of stocks in the red. Oracle down 5%. Software sales are soft. And Oracle's not yet made any solid gains in its cloud computing business. Darden Restaurants, 4% lower. Sales fell again at Red Lobster and Olive Garden. Food costs were up. Profits down. Smith & Wesson's profits fell. And the stock is down 11% because of rifle sales plunging. Chuck Camlet, CNBC Radio. The economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you. At 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat, and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. Show dedicated to get you to retirement. I look at it as a show about wealth accumulation. I don't do a lot of wealth management. The person that does wealth management for me is CFP Chad Burton. I do the wealth accumulation angle. He does the wealth management angle. I talk things, credit scores, the economy. I talk stock markets, 401ks. A lot of levels, he talks about a lot of that stuff as well. But he comes from the perspective of he wants your money to last from age 60 to 100. I want it to be a lot of money when you turn 60. So I'm talking 20 to 60. And I'm pretty proud of the people out there that I meet because they're getting it. Um, and they have to act together. And I know that I'm making a, a difference on people, and I'm very, you know, overwhelmed by that. Um, but we see people now in their 30s who have $100,000 saved, Chad, that 10, 15 years ago we weren't seeing that. Right. So, so a lot of it's in cash. 
A lot of it is in cash, which, which is unfortunate because they don't seem to trust the market because of the joining me now. Wait, joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. So you and I recently were talking about younger people having a lot of money in cash. Right. Let's talk a little bit about that. Um, they don't trust the market. I was talking to an HR person recently, and she's like, yeah, my company does 8% match, and all i got to do is get these young people to sign something, and they just don't do it. Like, they're turning down 8% free money. Yep. And another thing she said is, in their 401k, they, they take 10% out, but it all stays in cash. Yep. I, I think it's a 99.1% you know, movement that we had that almost worked against the same people. Okay. Um, because of what happened on Wall Street, and you know, I, I believe some people should have been thrown in jail for what happened with the credit crisis. Um, I think some people, and going even further back, uh, let's talk about people thrown in jail because I'm, I'm good with that. Okay. Yeah. And, and who are we going to throw in jail from the IRS? In '99 to 2001, <laughs> there was that excessive period where we, from '96 to 2000, we went straight up. Yeah. Crazy markets. Mm-hmm. And then when it fell apart, you know. The people who were hurt were people who got in late. Mm-hmm. Um, but the people who hurt those people were like some CEOs of like that should never have been CEOs, companies that should never have been publicly traded. That's mm-hmm. something that I wish our SEC could figure out. Yeah, like shouldn't there be a tougher requirement for going public? Nope. And remaining public. I mean, like, can you justify no revenue and have a huge multiple on your stock? If you've got no earnings and you've got little revenue, I, th- I think there should be some warning signs yeah. on the stock ticker or something. So at least people see, like, if this company continues this, they'll run out of money in three years. Right. Yeah. Which is one of those tools that you and I like. Barron's always does a annual edition of companies that are burning through cash. Yeah, that's a great one. And it's 100 companies. It's like, I don't want to own any of those 100 companies. <laughs> Let's take a looksy looksy. That's right. Um, people going to jail. It's it's tough. Yeah, they could be, so the the ninety nine percent one percent. You know the all those protests and everything else. Those same people. I mean, are they ever going to trust Wall Street again? They're not going to trust somebody sitting in a room with a suit and tie anymore. So that's why you have all of these technology based money management firms showing up because people would rather trust technology than they'll trust some guy in a suit. Um, and I get it. I get it. They they've seen their parents go through hell. Yeah. In terms of two bubbles, putting off the retirement, college education soaring, and they seem like they don't trust Wall Street yet. If we look past 100 years, you know, from today, the market's averaged over 11 percent. Yeah, there's no better return, even despite these bubbles. And it's and people, statistically, there's no safer thing to do. Yeah, you know, and, and people look at, especially in the Bay Area, it's an issue because then people trust real estate more. I was talking to a person that they moved out of their house. Um, they've got you know, you, if, as long as you've lived out for two out of the last five years, you can sell it and exclude your $500,000 if you're married of gains. So they're up against that time frame. They've got to put it up for sale now to sell it because that $500,000 exclusion goes away. He's like, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I want to sell it. I'm getting $50,000 net rental income on that. And when I did the math on the equity on this Palo Alto home, it was a 2% income. Yeah. It seems like a big check coming in the door. Sure. But you could double that in in uh, a balanced portfolio in terms of income. And so it's not that great a cash flow. So people trust kind of the wrong things right now. Um, so we get, we got to get these kids to just learn how to number one, be able to invest on their own, yeah. be able to use technology so they can see it and trust it. Um, 
and it's something that I've become kind of passionate about. We're working on a program just for that at our company because we've always managed half a million dollars and above. And um, I'm looking out, you know, these are our clients in 10, 15 years, so let's give them a tool um, so they can do it on their own and do it kind of with technology so they get more comfortable with the market again instead of just think about the, the scumbags that sold collateralized debt obligations and then sold, sold insurance on top of it. It is really unfortunate that, you know, we did go through the quote-unquote two bubbles. And what were those two bubbles? Just making sure I got the You get the tech correction and you got the okay. credit crisis. Okay. The credit uh-huh. crisis pulled down real estate. And during the tech correction, um, you know, in 99, 2000, 2001, my small cap value funds, my REITs, they were doing great. Real yeah. estate was doing great. Credit crisis pulled everything down. Everything fell off a cliff. Asset allocation didn't technically work because um, there were so much redemptions in the world of hedge funds and all these leveraged assets that hedge funds even had to sell off their gold and oil, the things that tend to do well during a crisis, in order to meet redemptions. Um, but it created some major value. Like a lot of bond funds, like higher yield bond funds, dropped 20 30%. You know, we jumped on some of that stuff in 2009 and had double-digit type returns in things like bond funds. That's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. So one last, you know, hurrah for this topic, Chad, is that it is the safest thing to do to invest. Stock market, 11% returns. It's safe if you give it time. And as long as you don't sell out and panic at the bottom. Or get greedy at the top. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's the critical thing is that it, the bottom, as you referred to it, 2007, 2008, market got, got really beaten up. Yeah. Um, and yet that's the best time to buy. If you look back at the last 10 years, like that was the single best time to buy because that's when the assets were, quote, unquote, their cheapest. Right. And people don't associate that. Yeah. They don't. And then, But I think also retirees in the next five to 10 years um, – are going to have to get a little bit more comfortable with volatility because in order to be able to keep up with that 4 or 5% draw rate that they've everybody's talked about since the 90s, yeah. um, you can't do that with traditional bonds right now. You can't ladder a bond portfolio and get those types of returns. Uh, so more stocks, and as long as you can learn how to deal with the volatility and you don't panic at the bottom and you can run a model on your portfolio and clearly say that if you do go through – a stock market correction where it's down two or three years in a row and then it takes another two or three years to recover, that you have enough cash to live off of on the sidelines so that between your dividends from your stocks and the cash in the sidelines, you can last five to seven years, your portfolio can recover and you can be more aggressive if you can handle it. You don't lose sleep at night. Um, and you, over the long run, more risk does mean more reward if you don't sell and if you don't have to draw from your portfolio on the decline. Does that make sense? Yeah. It, it's just a matter of coming up with a cash plan. So if you're going to be more aggressive, fine. Just have a little bit more hoard of a cash. I always say three years worth of expenses. If you're going to be super aggressive in retirement, maybe it's four or five years of, of withdrawals in cash. I think I want to blow up this song. I just realized how much I hate this song. CFP Chad Burton, and that has nothing to do with Chad Burton. <laughs> you can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. I don't miss you, though. Ain't nobody's problem. Burn my own. This is so great. Ron Black has a financial.
financial interest in the success of new vocation. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Been doing this a long time now. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. Mr. Burton, how are you? Great. Are things new focus? Excellent. I love the, the canned answer. So Great. Excellent. Absolutely. Those good terms. Yes. Um, what do you want to talk about this segment? Um, I was re- reading an article at, I mean, it's like, I don't know. Oh, Kiplinger's, which is my favorite financial publication out okay. there for people to read. Um, I want, you know, if you look at studies that on a lot of these fun magazines that are out there, like, money or whatever, it's, when, when you go back and look at the articles, they have in January the top 10 mutual funds to own now, and then, in, you know, two quarters later they have the top 100 funds for the year. Those funds never appear on the same list. It's right. like you're just, it just never seems to work out. But Kiplinger's always has pretty good financial articles. This one's okay. It's kind of, uh, you know, what people, what wealthy people are worried about, uh, people that have a lot of money or a lot of net worth. And one of the issues I've worried about is how are they compared to other people? And it's really wealth is relative to your expenses. Oh, yeah. Um, I was saying the other night in one of the events that we were doing uh, was talking about long-term care insurance and how important it is to look at. But at the same time, it's become very expensive. Last year, in 2013, uh, rates jumped drastically. Females often pay more than males because they tend to be in the nursing home. There's no more spousal discounts and lifetime plans have gone away where if you go in with Alzheimer's for 15 years, you might get, you know, long-term care insurance plan that covers you for six, yeah, um, but not lifetime anymore. And rates have jumped. People that have had policies have seen rate increases as high as 80%. So if you've bought long-term care insurance, it's probably going to go up in cost. And I always say start shopping, looking at it, 55. If you're 55 and you're, you know, saved enough for retirement and your financial advisor that's, you know, fee-based yeah. has said, yeah, you're, he or she has said, yep, you're on track, you're saving enough. The sad part about that is Long-term care is such a sad issue. I don't think people want to buy it because they don't want to ever be in that position. You know, the way you get around that is that nobody wants to go into a nursing home, right? Of course not. Sounds awful. Right. These policies pay for people to come to your house to take care of you, so that's one thing to focus on. Yeah, but again, I think the barrier that I would have is I don't want to picture myself in that position. It's like one of the reasons people don't get life insurance. They don't see themselves dying. Yeah. Um, So i got to imagine long-term care is a really tough sell because it's, it's not cheap. And it's, it's for a worst-case scenario that you hope never happens. Yeah, I, I don't sell it, and I know people that do, and I know people that have exited the business in the last year because, number one, it was already a hard sell. Right. Because it's insurance, and insurance is tough because it, it's expensive, and you don't get any money back. Yeah. And now there's these hybrid life insurance policies, which are better than doing nothing. It's better than leaving cash in a 1% CD. So you got a lot of money sitting on the sidelines. It's kind of your safe money for if you go into a nursing home. There's these policies where you can use some of the death benefit to fund long-term care. Yeah. But if you pass away, your spouse or your kids or whatever, get the, you get the life insurance. And it's not a great rate of return on your money. It's a little better than CDs. What do you think about a scenario where, like, 
um, I've got a uh, someone that I know that got offered life insurance at age like 72. Mm-hmm. Company was willing to buy life insurance on him. All he had to do was sign the paperwork. What do you think about those type of scenarios? Um, usually they're, I mean, most of the time you see those, it's for burial insurance and things like that. And what they're betting on is that, so even, even over the bubbles of balanced portfolios average, or the, you know, the, the big drops that we've seen in the last several decades, balanced portfolios have averaged about 6%, which means if you take the rule of 72, if you divide 72 by what rate of return you have, that's how many years it takes to double. The rule of 72 is pretty cool. Okay. And so they're betting that, okay, it's, they're going to have you paying about $5,000 for a $10,000 death benefit. And they know that they're going to be able to kind of double that money before you die. <laughs> so um, that's usually what the no-brainer, the no-underwriting type of programs are, are usually for things like burial insurance. If you don't have to do a lot of underwriting, go through a physical, get on a treadmill, check your heart rate, it's probably not a very good deal. Okay. Um, the only time people, older people at that age need life insurance is for two reasons. Number one if you have a pension that's going to go away at your death okay. and you're trying to protect your spouse, you might need some life insurance. And term insurance doesn't work when you're over 70. It, just, it doesn't – it's so expensive, it's ridiculous. Right. Or if you're over 70 and let's say you're a very wealthy business owner. You've okay. got an estate that's – if you're single, over $5 million or married, over 10 yeah. And if you die, there's going to be an estate tax due of 40% plus over that value. And there's no liquidity. You're worth a lot of money, but it's all in your business. So you're business rich, your cash flow's fine, but you're liquid asset poor. And if your kids have nothing to be able to pay that estate tax when you die, what are they going to do? They're going to have to sell the business or sell business assets or drastically leverage it. So what people do is they set up an irrevocable life insurance trust. That trust buys life insurance on that person. You create a tax-free amount for your heirs in order to pay the estate taxes. So that's the, those are the reasons. Or charitable remainder trust is another one which we can talk about next segment. That's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. So charitable remainder trust that you just brought up, what do we need to know? What is it? Well, let's say you have um, – We know trusts are tied to like Paris Hilton. you got a trust. Yeah. Daddy made a, granddaddy made a lot of money kind of thing. That's to Keep it in the family. That's the thing is you got to make sure your trusts aren't going to spoil your kids because I don't know if you want to necessarily end up with a Paris Hilton. She's t- kind of disappeared recently. Hasn't yeah, she? yeah, how does she do that? I'm wondering about, where is Paris Hilton these days? I'm sure she's in Vegas doing a club appearance here and there. So, have you seen how much they make? She's got to be too old to do the clubbing appearance thing, isn't now, right? See, now I'm trying to Google Paris Hilton right now. Where's Paris Hilton? But you kind of careful. Yeah, I was just saying, I don't, don't want to work. click on any of those links. <laughs> the work network. <laughs> You can get me fired pretty quickly. Well, what's this warning thing on my computer now? <laughs> Isn't that a horrible moment when that happens to you? Uh, the blue screen of death. Or the FBI has ceased control of your uh, computer, and it's really not the FBI. It's You've cl- clicked on something you should have clicked on. You know, um, when uh, we get the, what's the Apple wireless airport? Okay, yeah. We set that up. My son named it. Um, NSA surveillance number nine or something. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Nobody else tries to get on it. I like it. Your kid has a good sense of humor. He is. He's a good kid. Um, with that said, you can find CFP Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Um, he manages money. That's not fair to say. He manages... What, what? We do comprehensive wealth management. There you go. So manage money, financial planning, estate planning, the whole 
Managed oh, money yes. just feels so 90s. Managed money. Sounds yeah. stuffy, doesn't it? Like, um, I think the whole registered investment advisor world kind of is kind of like thinned out for the financial planners. It is. I mean, there's this big separation now between people that are fiduciaries and people that aren't. Even though they're fee-based, they're still not necessarily fiduciary. You can find CFP Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, speaking with CFP Chad Burton. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. Mr. Burton. Yes, sir. I got an email from someone recently that kind of laughed. It reminded me in a very, very bad way of what I don't like about this business. <laughs> um, and basically, it's, it's the nerd or the guy who hasn't saved who's trying to hit a massive home run. He asked me the question of, Who's making the parts for Apple's iWatch? There's a recent article in the Wall Street Journal if people want to go get it and take a look. I personally think that's just the wrong way of approaching investing. Mm -hmm. It's trying to hit that home run when can the company stand on its own if Apple says, you know what, we don't like your parts, or you know what, we're doing you a big favor, you're going to give them to us for free. Right. Um, It's like when a company creates a product and Costco is their number one Client? Yeah. To, not to just sell through? Yeah. Um, it was a company that had that problem. It was like uh, Garden Burger or something like that. Yeah. I mean, they'll squeeze your margins down to nothing. That's yeah. part of Costco's job. There was a famous story about Home Depot that um, I read a book called The Death of Competition, which was fantastic. And uh, Home Depot would invite people to Tropicana Field. Mm-hmm. So two hammer makers would go, and they'd put them right next to each other. And say, we think your hammer is A quality. We think your hammer is A quality. How much you want to sell us hammers for? And they basically make the people present in front of them. Yeah. Um, and that just, there's no competition there. I mean, that's Home Depot could sell millions and millions and millions of hammers, but they're not going to pay too much for them. Well, yeah. I and mean, again, Costco will, will make people, the people will present their product to them. And they'll make them change it over and over again, and then they still might not take it. Yeah. So people will spend tons of. R&D money on trying to get their products changed, and then, yeah, sorry, can't do it. That'd be scary for me to try to use Costco as my number one customer, or Walmart, for that matter. Competition is, um, I, I think, a word that people should use more when talking about investing. Uh, like, does Apple really have a competitor on high-end phones? Not really. On low-end phones, yeah. Um, Microsoft, they didn't acknowledge Apple's iPad or iPhone or iPod. And they got left in the dust. Like they didn't, they didn't see them as a competitor. Like, oh, we're we're totally different. We're the desktop. It's a good thing they're doing well in the enterprise world, and with Xbox, yeah. even Xbox One, they've kind of you know shunned the gaming community right now. With it's interesting um, how Microsoft did succeed with Xbox, but they're still having a problem like convincing the world what they are. Are they enterprise? Are they desktop? Are they, you know, I think they would benefit hugely by spinning off the Xbox. And just making that an entertainment division. Yeah, I think I think I I agree. I'm surprised the new CEO hasn't talked more about that, but it doesn't sound like it. 
Yeah, I mean, just the way that you can use an Xbox One to run your home entertainment is pretty sweet. Who's marketing that, though? And see, I know nothing about it. Yeah. I get tidbits here and there from my, my son, but at the same time, uh, lack of games and people you know, moving to the PlayStation because of the way you know, it'll, it'll come around. But tough business to be in, for sure. Yeah. The enterprise side is where Microsoft does extremely well and where their stock price has done really well lately. And the enterprise side being, quote-unquote, offices. Yeah, large, large companies, servers, things like that. Although more and more offices are moving to Apple. That's the device side, though. Yeah, but it's not uncommon now to walk down the halls of a building when you're going to a business meeting and seeing some Apple boxes outside, Mm -hmm. some Mac boxes. I'm seeing more of it than ever. So they're making some headway into that. Definitely. Enterprise. Do you remember when you were a kid and you'd save, like, soup labels? So your school would buy, like, Apple computers? Uh, yeah, it's box tops, zero box tops okay. for our kids. Yeah. What's interesting to note about that is, you know, Apple's strategy was to get the kids young, and then they'd be lifelong users if they knew how to use the computers. And they did it. So, I still don't own an Apple. So I do some video editing on Apples at work, but not much. So it's weird. I just, I, I'm, I'm afraid. You know what's cool about um, one of the advisors, a lot of advisors have a, a Bloomberg terminal, getting back to your email question. Yeah. And Bloomberg has a feature where you can pull up a company and all of their suppliers, and it'll come up with this. Um, it almost looks like a bracket for, uh, you know, college basketball or something. And it shows all of the companies that are suppliers for that other for that company and, you know, whether or not they're doing well, it'll be in green. If they're doing poorly, it'll be in red. It's kind of a cool way to, to look at those types of questions on who is supplying the different products. But once you find a company, oh, I'm going to invest in this company because they're doing all the screens for Apple. Well, I wouldn't buy it if it's – they might do well in the next year or two, but if Apple's 80% of their revenue, that's too much power that Apple has against that company in terms of profits because it's not revenue. It blows me away how many business owners or people invest based on revenue instead of profit. Oh, yeah. It's unreal. I mean, you can get guys that run businesses and they just they won't shut down a portion of their business because it's half of their revenue, but it's 100% of their losses, if that makes sense. And to bring up what you just said, um, Samsung recently bought or is trying to buy Nuance, which does the voice for Siri. Mm-hmm. So Samsung could, could edge out the voice power. It could. It's but not going to happen. Siri is not working after my last update. My phone is having issues. I'm going to have to get a new phone soon. It won't shut off the top button. And then when I say, send a text to Rob Black, it'll say, who do you want me to text? I, mean, I just told you. I, I get so mad at my, I'll be yelling in the car trying to voice text on my Siri. This is not working anymore. What's up, Apple? CFP, Chad Burton. Send me a new phone. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Yeah, that, I, I don't know, tech support. Again, as I get older, I just want simpler. Yeah, I don't want to learn. Stuff. I don't want a bigger phone either. Really? Why? Yeah, I know you want a bigger phone. So I got, you know, I just I I put it in my front pocket usually. Yeah. And I don't want anything bigger in my pocket. I don't need anything bigger. I don't spend that much time yeah. staring at my phone like a lot of people do. I guess. Yeah. Thank you. My mom's got a cell phone. It's so big it might as well be a iPod Mini or an iPad that, Mini. That does start to get too big. Yeah. So, and it's awkward. And now sometimes some companies are making that a feature. It's as big as an iPod, but it's as big as an iPad, but it's also a phone. I think Samsung or HTC's got something that is—it's a tablet phone. Yeah. 
And that just seems. We go and remember we, we Zoolander. So they had this. He had the little tiny phone yeah. on his ear, like, like as big as your thumb. And we used to have these giant brick cell phones, and then it went really, really small, and now it's going back the other direction. Yeah, I guess video kind of changed that, huh? Yeah. So what else are you working on these days? Um, well, we were talking about this interesting article. Um, what do what do wealthy people worry about? And we kind of got on this whole long-term care thing because uh, the other night I said, you know, if you're wealthy enough, you can afford to self-insure against nursing home costs. And so somebody raised their hand, and what do you consider wealthy? That's a great question because it's so relative to the person. You could, make a, lot, you could make a lot of money, but an expensive drug habit will take it all away. Yeah, or... Um, I've seen people that have habits of anywhere from buying stuff for other people or not being able to say no to family members. I've seen a, I saw a guy that um, sold his business for a large amount and blew through about ten million bucks in one year. And I, I showed him the projection. I'm like, "You are wealthy now. If you continue on this path, you are not going to be wealthy anymore." So that's it, it's relative to your expenses. Remember the person that we we're talking about, young woman, uh, late twenties. Hundred thousand dollars saved in a four hundred one k. She's got a father who's going through a messy divorce, so he he's not financially okay. Mm-hmm. She's like, if I put money into a Roth, could I give that to him later in life? Like, you need to stop thinking like that. Like, I've just got this defense mechanism of I don't want kids taking care of their parents. Mm-hmm. To me, there's there's something weird about a parent burying a child, but there's also something weird to me about the child supporting financially a parent. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just her culture. She was raised in a different world. She wants to help dad. To be your lifestyle. Maybe she's the, the nursing type that thinks about taking care of other people before themselves. It's just a personality trait. You've got to know yourself and why know when I, to stop. Why have I never met that type of woman? Why have I always met the gold digger, give me, give me, give me, give me, I need, I need, I need, I need? Um, I don't know. Are you meeting them in the bars? Or <laughs> what's going on here? Tinder. I'm going to say Tinder, and I can't, even, <laughs> user. I can't even say it out loud without blushing with embarrassment of potential <laughs> idea. I'm happy I was born when I was, because we did a little bit of Match.com, uh, my generation, but Tinder's just... I, I know. I, it's wrong. It's, show me, buddy, it's like 32, 33, show me what Tinder was. And I'm yeah. like, are you kidding me? I've got that a, easy now? <laughs> I've got a friend where she'll arrange four or five dates in one sitting. And she'll actually so go speed date herself. She'll go out on a, with a guy at five. Tell him I have to meet friends for drinks at ten. Go out with a guy at ten, and try to find the dream guy. And interestingly enough, she can't find the dream guy because they're all trying to get her drinks and then take it to the next level physically. Like Tinder's just an app that's so wrong for, on so many levels. Oh man, yeah. There's a uh, people are just so disconnected now. They're so disconnected and they don't relate. They don't get to know each other. Mm-hmm. They don't have conversations that are real. Kids are putting off when they get their driver's license later than usual because they don't care as much because they're more online-based, which is odd. I mean, the first thing I wanted to – I mean, at 14, I'm like, okay, I'm buying a car when I'm 15 and a half. (laughs) You know, I had a car before I was 16. It was a VW. You know, it was like a rusted-out Dasher station wagon. But like you said, kids don't need it anymore. Yeah, you just get on, you know, instant message and talk to each other in video chat, hang out. And they care about the environment, so they'll use public transportation, right? Lift. Maybe they'll get on their uh, electric-powered Harley now. Okay. Ted and I were talking about electric power Harley, but it goes 50 miles. It just doesn't seem to go far enough. Yeah. But again, if you're a city living, that's plenty far, but then you're a city living, you're looking for a charger, like, there's a lot of flaws with vehicles, but we're getting there. 
You can find CFP Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. Joining me now, CFP, let me, let me do that again. Hey, everybody. <laughs> it's me, Rob Black. You're listening to Rob Black and your money. You can find me online at robblack.com. Joining me now, CFP, Chad Burton. So, Chad, during the break, we were talking a little bit about uh, technology and, like, rules that you have to kind of in- I was like, when's this dog going to die? Like, it's too much technology. I'm fearful for children. Like, they're so immersed in it. Like, there's apps that are just socially evil. You know, from, you know, there's secrets that are causing kids to kill themselves. Um, just the cyberbullying. How's it all end? I don't know. They're just going to have to make a after-school special to change the world. <laughs> We need to post it on an instant message. Is there even after-school specials anymore? I can't imagine. Maybe on YouTube? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I remember, um, and this is just a fond memory of my childhood, I remember cartoons on Saturday. Yeah. And um, I remember Scooby-Doo. I remember Speed Racer. I remember uh, Johnny Quest. Yeah. Um, and I recently turned on, like, Saturday morning TV just to see what's on. And there's no cartoons. Twin Powers Activate. Oh, there's cartoons, but it's stuff like Pokemon and... And screaming and yelling and fighting and flashy whatever. It's, it's, it's annoying. And, that, and but we're now car- we're old. We're officially old because of this conversation right now. Weren't cartoons on like ABC, NBC, CBS on Saturday mornings? Yes. But do you remember how violent cartoons were with, without you knowing they were violent? I mean, I, just I, look at Bonnie Coyote, <laughs> Roadrunner. And, you know, it. I don't know where we're going. But all, the cartoons, all the cartoons now have moved to like Nickelodeon and Disney, right? Mm-hmm. So we've kind of lost, we've lost network cartoons. Yeah, but they're accessible anywhere. Okay. So my son, you know, was watching the old episodes of 21 Jump Street, the real 21 Jump Street. Really? Um, on Netflix. Why? Um, because he wants to see the actual movie, which he's probably too young for. <laughs> so uh, 15, 22 Jump Street might be a little much for him. We'll see. A friend of mine, uh, his son, he's like, he's always on, um, not Craigslist, but uh, Wikipedia. So and he thinks his kids lying to him because he he he'll come in and his kids reading Wikipedia like the Russian fall of the Russian Empire like a whole like history lesson on it. And I'm like you know he's got another screen that's just the one he's showing you right. Uh, he ain't reading the fall of the Russian like I don't know it just times have changed. I've got locks on my kid's phone, it's, but he's he he's more into the news probably than I am when I'm not. At work, yeah. I mean, I kind of unplug when I get home and on the weekends. Yeah. And he's always plugged in. He always knows. And we're having discussions about what's going on in Iraq, uh, what's going on in Ukraine, and things like that. He's he's pretty plugged in. You know that I work in television, and my opinion on news is I can't watch it. So we well, and I know too, and especially in the financial world, yeah, that pretty much whatever news is out is out by 9 a.m. West Coast time. Yeah. For the day, and you're done. And then it's just 
the same news, the same story over and over again, repeated some other different way. Somebody comes up with a catchphrase, and everybody uses it for two months. And can you watch CNBC anymore? Because um, I can't. I, I, can't I can watch. in the early morning, but the the power lunch garbage yeah. doesn't. And the the show that I really like on CNBC is The Profit. Really, the guy that goes in and fixes businesses, and, and uh, it's pretty interesting. Okay, it's pretty watch. interesting how people will create a business. They start off with a great idea, they make money, and then they Again, they, they, they turn to how, how are they going to increase sales, even if those massive increases in sales have decreased your profit. Okay. And just simple things of people when they fall – it's almost like when they fall in love with a stock and they can't sell it because they did all the research and they think they were right. And if they sell it, they're wrong and they've done something bad. Same thing people fall in love with their businesses when they make a wrong decision. Really? And sometimes you need that outside consultant to come in and say, it's how you need to fix it. And if you don't, you're going out of business. It's kind of like a, the scariest, the scariest meetings I have, or are when I, I have a meeting with a really high income earner. Right. I'm talking four or five hundred thousand dollars a year, just killing it on income. Forty years old, great house, really nice car. Fifty grand in their four hundred one k. Yeah. I mean, you are you are getting so used to this lifestyle that you've created right now, you have no future. You're going to go from from riches to rags. It's almost a reverse of it. So it's tough. I mean, wealthy does not mean cash flow. Wealthy means, you know, accumulating assets. Putting Accumulating assets is your number one priority. It's paying yourself first, saving, you know, 10 to 15% of your pay when you're in your 20s. You've waited until your 30s. It's even more. At CFB Chad Burton. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. So I read some of the trade papers like Variety and um, Trade for Media. And... There was a big push last year for CNBC to get primetime shows because their ratings basically go to zero after the market closes. Mm-hmm. Um, even Kramer has a zero rating more often than not um, for his show. So if you listen to CNBC, there's like fastest growing network in television. And all they're showing is the reruns of... Growing off the bottom isn't... Yeah, growing <laughs> off the bottom is pretty easy. Um, when you go from one to two, you doubled. But two's still an awful number. Yeah, yeah. really. Um, you know, let's get back to the I keep meaning we're going to talk about what a, what a wealthy people, you know, get with us. There's a good ad, and, and people that are wealthy, things like uh, worrying about your health, that's an issue. Okay. Investing in your health so you can enjoy your wealth. Um, being sued, identity theft. I uh, had a client who was corresponding with their mortgage broker, and they sent me over what they had on file for the loan. I'm like, what are you looking at? You're, you're looking at this all wrong. So they send me this file. This mortgage broker sends over a file with bank accounts, brokerage accounts, and the loan application that have the Social Security number on it by email with no encryption. Identity theft is something everybody needs, identity theft protection. Uh, so that's a big one. And business responsibilities, things like that. You know, how do you pass your business along? How do you pass your state without spoiling your kids? Those are some big issues. You can listen to Chad's show every day here from 1 to 2 on KDOW AM 1220. You can contact him at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. 
Savvy investors know where to find the best possible investment advice. And according to the financial experts at U.S. News & World Report, one of the best podcasts is locally grown. AM 1220 KDOW is home for Rob Black and your money. Weekday mornings at 7. Now you can take Rob Black with you in your Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.